Open up your Bibles, Colossians 2. One of the things that I thought about as they were talking about is, that, you know, is, is back when I was a teenager, a really long time ago, you know, there was a song that was based on Scripture that says, you know, they will know we are Christians by our love. And that's what they were talking about. They were talking about that the, the community that watches the local church typically says, well, they are, we know them by what they stand against, not by what they are for. This ministry is really helping us to try and learn how to be for something better than, you know, we have been. And, and we've, we've tried to do a good job. We've missed some places there. But they're helping us to do a better job of it so that we will be known for what we do and how we love each other. This morning, I want to touch on some stuff as well. You know, t- uh, we're, here it is. We're October in 2015. There's not much left of our year, and it has been a year with huge events in it that has changed the landscape in such a way of our nation that I don't know that we have a sense for how big and how far-reaching the ripples are going to go. And I'm, I'm, eaching, I'm, I'm mention, thinking of the definition of marriage by the Supreme Court case. The essence of that is this, where Matthew Vines has written. He says, marriage isn't gendered. In other words, he says, it's a commitment with your spouse that reflects God's covenant with humanity. It's not based on gender. The definition of gender, the explosion of the transgender issue this year as, as Bruce, Jenner's, Bruce Jenner's transition to Caitlyn Jenner. The definition of life continues to unfold. California now is the fourth state in the United States that has an assisted suicide law. And that implication is that the, the physician's assisted suicide is a means for individuals to free themselves from physical suffering and indignity that natural death entails. The Planned Parenthood videos that have gone beyond healthy services for women to profiting from the cells of human body parts. The definition of the right to use the restroom. Houston will vote in two weeks on the bathroom bill. Wouldn't you love to have a city that has a bathroom bill? The ordinance was nicknamed that because it caters. It is going to allow transgender people to choose the bathroom of their choice, and if any business prevents that from happening, they'll be fined $5,000. That's what the bill says. These issues are not something that's happening in Houston or someplace else. They affect Crossing Community Church as well as all local churches. Matter of fact, Crossing Community Church will be putting before our voting membership within this next month constitutional statements that would define marriage, that would define gender, and define personhood. Not because we want to, but because we have to in the current environment. And also, the other way that it affects churches is this. Because many people who are professing Christians now profess a new truth a truth that is in keeping with the right side of history. This particular ruler here is 24 inches. I didn't do my research, but somewhere in the past, someone defined that an inch is a measurement, and then they put it together in 12 inches, and they put it together in 24 inches, and they put it together in a yard, in miles. Based on where we are in our cultural setting, there are people who say, that's not 24 inches. Matter of fact, where we are in our cultural setting now, they're saying, well, for me, that's 36 inches. 
For me, that's only 12 inches. For me, I don't measure inches. And yet, if you're going to measure distance, you need a standard. You need something to tell you how far it is from here to there. Something. Because what happens is if my 24 inches is different than yours, and I say, how far is it to there? And you say, well, it's 16 feet. And I say, no, it's 45 feet. And you go, how can you say that? And I say, well, my inches are my inches. Your inches are your inches. How's that work? Not well. How does it work if I say, she's my wife, not your wife? That's my truth. What are you going to do about that? How is it going to work if I say, you know what? That's my water bottle. It's my truth. I'm sorry if it's not your truth. You see, you cannot give everyone their rights without taking away someone's rights. You just can't do it. Thanks for the water bottle. Are you thirsty yet? You just can't do it. 24 inches is 24 inches or it's nothing at all. And see, the thing is, Authors, activists, preachers, theologians, celebrities, politicians are presenting persuasive speeches and presentations and books and papers and events to demonstrate how love wins and how brave Caitlin is. It's interesting to read that or to know that in light of our particular passage this morning in Colossians 2 verses 4 through 8. Reading from the New American Standard, I say this in order that no one may delude you with persuasive argument. For even though I am absent in body, nevertheless I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good discipline and the stability of your faith in Christ. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, having been firmly rooted and now been built up in him and established in your faith, just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude. See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy or empty deception according to the tradition of men, according to the elementary principles of the world rather than according to Christ. In the latter part of chapter 1, we read where Christ is writing about the church here and he's speaking about the expectation that every member would be brought up in all wisdom. Verse 28, he says, to proclaim him and admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom that they may present every man as complete in Christ. And then in chapter 2, verse 2, right here, it says that he's speaking in about Christians and, and that particularly the church that he's writing to here. And he says that their hearts may be encouraged, having been knit together in love and attaining to all the wealth that comes from the full assurance of understanding. Catch that? And all the wealth that comes to the full assurance of understanding, resulting in a true knowledge of God's mystery, that is, Christ himself. A full assurance of understanding that comes with the true knowledge of Christ. And in all this, Paul is developing a profile of a mature Christian. One of the indicators of a mature Christian is the ability to know truth from falsehood. Meacham, J. Gresham Meacham said, false ideals are the greatest obstacle to the reception of the gospel. False ideas are the greatest obstacle to the reception of the gospel. So it's vitally important that we as growing, equipped Christians know truth 
and are not easily swayed by really well-done presentations. In verse 4 here in our passage here, one of the very first words in the passage says this, I say to you, I say this in order that no one may delude you, or perhaps your Bible may say deceive you, deceive you. That word right there is just not deceive. In, 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 the, in the Greek, and the, the context it was written in, the word really has this meaning as to reason wrongly, to deceive by false reasoning, to catch by bait. Do you get that? Do you get that? He says, I say this in order that none of you take the bait. Take the bait. Let me see. What is the bait? Well, the bait is something you put on a hook, and when you grab it, you jerk it out, you skin it, and you eat it. He says, I encourage you to not take the bait and be eaten, in essence. Because bait is nothing but fake. It is not a real worm on that bait. Usually, they always crawl off on my bait, on my hook. But there is a multi-million dollar industry of bait that is fake food that is only intended to trick the fish, to just trick the fish. That's what bait is. That's what the word means. The word means to not be deceived by the bait. There is this fuller context in more classical literature. The time means that it is a word of the law court, and it refers to the lawyer's persuasive speech and its power to influence an audience toward an unjust verdict. That was the way the word was used in ancient literature toward an unjust verdict. Verse 8 picks up on this concern about deception. And he says, says here, See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception according to the tradition of men, according to the elementary principles of the world, rather than according to Christ. You know, there's several passages, probably eight other passages that we could go to that we could draw similar statements and similar ideas and concepts from. One of them in particular that we'll just touch on today is, 2 Timothy 3, 13 and 14, he says, But evil men and impostors will proceed from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. You, however, continue the things you have learned and become convinced of. Honestly, these are dangerous times because truth mixed with lies and distortions of truths are everywhere. Anthropologist... Tanya Lerman of Stanford University has remarked about this year and the events of this year. It is clear as an observer like me, now this is someone speaking outside of the church in evangelical Christianity, an anthropologist though who sees things and observes them. She says it is, it is clear to an observer like me that evangelical Christianity is at a crossroads. What is that crossroads? The question of whether gay Christians should marry within the church. Journalist Terry Mattingly says this sees the same issue looming in the evangelical horizon. He says, there is no way to avoid the showdown that is coming. The American Psychological Association and 12 other organizations have comprised the Just the Facts Coalition. And they've published an, a new edition of the Just the Facts about Sexual, Orient, sexual Orientation in Youth, a primer for a, principals, educators, and school personnel. It's, I looked at it and read parts of it and all. The gist of it is this. It declares both heterosexual and homosexuality are both normal expressions of human sexuality. And then it goes through and it talks about how to 
take advantage or how to understand the legal opportunity it is to protect a school from conservative or Christian thought. Matthew Vines in his book, Matthew Vines, young man, Harvard, brilliant, went to school for three years and decided that he needed to come out, but he didn't know how to do it with his folks who are believers. So he quit school and decided to write a compelling case for his position in life from Scripture. And so from that came Homosexuality and the Gay Christian, published in March of this year. Lyons argues that Christians who affirm the full authority of Scripture can also affirm committed monogamous same-sex relationships. He announces that once his argument is accepted, the fiercest objections to LGBT equality, those based on religious beliefs, can begin to fall away. The tremendous pain endured by LGBT youth in many Christian homes can become a relic of the past. Do you know what he just said? The fiercest objections to LGBT equality and those based on religious beliefs can begin to fall away. An inch doesn't have to be an inch anymore. We'll name it something different. We'll make it longer. We'll make it shorter. We'll make it work. Why? So that tremendous pain does not have to be endured. Are we redefining truth because truth needs to be defined because it's wrong? Or because we're uncomfortable with the truth? Because it's painful. Because it puts me in a really bad spot. The stories I've heard of pastors and parents and Christians who've changed their position on LGBT issues are apparently, for the most part, done so because of their feelings and emotions for their friends and family. Listen to Vines again, his comment, objections based on religious beliefs can fall away and the tremendous pain will not have to be endured. And pain appears to be the driving force for doing away with the objections of religion. It's the same thing that Caitlin and so many others say the same thing. And when you read the stats and when you read the stories, the reason why they are lonely and the reason why they are persecuted is because of 24 inches. Some of us still say 24 inches is 24 inches. And that's very uncomfortable for someone who wants to make it 6 inches or 15 inches or 36 inches. This is what it is. 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 Nothing less, nothing more. This is an area I want to talk about, though, because the church in this area is known what we're against. Let me just tell you, the church, God, let me ask you this. If you're a parent, sorry, those of you who are not parents yet, just take my word for it, okay? If you're a parent and your child disobeys, do you hate them? Do you tell the rest of the siblings to hate them? 
Do you tell the rest of the siblings to beat them up, to call them names, to out them, to shame them? In our healthier families, we don't do that. (laughs) Some of you do that. No, we don't. When our children disobey, what we say is, that was wrong, this is right, there's consequences. God is the same way. When people come out and people say that I am this or I am that or I believe this or I believe that, he has never once. Listen to me. If you're here for the first time, if you're here and you just are new to some of this stuff, let me just tell you something. He has never once, never once, not once, never said, I hate that person. He has said always, I hate sin. I love that person and I sent my son to die for that sin and to redeem them from it. That is the message. That is what we believe. That is what the church should be standing for. And yet we, you always hear politicians say this, don't let the opponent establish your platform. I don't really know what that means, but they say that. In other words, what we've done is we've let Westboro Baptists establish our platform. Westboro Baptist being the church that goes to all the funerals and has the flags and the banners and says, God hates fags. And yet what God says is, I love people. And so in the case with just like our children, what God says is this. You're my child. I love you very much. That was wrong. This is wrong. There are consequences for that. I love you. Let's work this out. Let's be in relationship again. But there are too many of us in this room who are parents who our children have said, I will not work that out with you. I will continue to do this. I am going to continue to be this way. I will still take my money from you to take care of my drugs. I will still use the car the way I want to. I will still do all these things, and you're not going to stop me. What does that do to that relationship? Talk to me. It destroys it. And so there are thousands of people who say, God doesn't love me. Why? Why? Not because he said that, but because their relationship is destroyed because he said, come home. And they said, no, I won't. And now it's God's fault. This is how God feels about this. We should not be known for being condemning of a, of a person, but we do have to take a stand against a lifestyle. This is the way it is, folks. We have been trained by watching or by hearing or just in our own spirit sometimes that when we come up to someone and there's numbers of them, there are so many of them who speak out against us that our natural thing is is to lash back out. And some of us do it. I see you do it on Facebook. I see you do it in Twitter. I see you do it even in the jokes you tell in the back of this room. You are as wrong as the person in the lifestyle. You are as wrong as the person in the lifestyle for behaving that way because you are called to love unconditionally. And what I hear from you is, that's disgusting, I could never love them. You are wrong. And you will answer for that sin as much as they will answer for their sin, more so because you know the truth. You know the truth. Church, this is the gig. That's wrong. We are wrong too. We need to step it up. 
We need to be known for what we love, not for what we're against. And we're going to have that opportunity a lot in the coming days. A lot. Truth is truth. You can't change it. But right now, there are books being written, papers being written, seminars being written, pamphlets being written, and laws that are being written that says 24 inches does not have to be 24 inches anymore. That piece of wood is just wood. We've defined it new. Matter of fact, we need to keep up with history because history is changing. How do you change a standard? How do you come and you say, what's going to happen when you change this? And you say, that's not 24 inches anymore. And 160 of us all call it something different. Where does that lead? Say the word. Chaos. What does it look like out there? That's, you only can have one standard. You can only have one standard. And let me tell you something. I know that for some of you, you hate this because you have people you love. This is nothing about those people. This is about the standard. The trick is this. is still loving them well. It's still loving them well. The standard doesn't change. Paul's writing to the Colossians, and he says, don't be fooled. Matter of fact, if you were to, if you were to look at that, that last part of verse 8, it says, it says, all of these things take captive. He means taken as slaves. Just, I mean, this week, Betty and I were able to see the Amazing Grace Theater um, uh, musical production, and, and what was happening was that traitors, people were going and taking slaves, taking captives, and taking them away and putting them in chains, and forcing them to do things against their will. And this verse is literally saying the same thing. Do not be taken captive. In other words, taken as a slave by the love of wisdom, he says, or by vain or empty, empty truths, which would, if it's an empty truth, is it still truth? No. I tell you what, if I'm trying to eat peanuts and I crack open the shell and there's nothing in it, then there's not much to be satisfied from that, is there? That's the way empty truths are as well. You crack them open, there's nothing there. There's nothing to stand on. There's no standard in them. So if you look at the passage, look at it with me, verse 28, verse 8. See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy. That's like the love of wisdom, the love of knowing, the love of discussing these things. That by empty deception, according to what? The tradition of men and the elementary principles of the world. These false truths are based on the traditions of men. In other words, this is how I've always done it. And I'm, the, and I'm the standard. I'm the measurement here. I am the 24 inches. And so this is how I've always done it. So that's how you should do it as well. And the reason I do it that way is because that's just the way we do it around here. The principles of the world. Traditions are simply the way we do things. This is saying that these truths are based on the way men do things according to the elementary or the basic principles of the world. So catch this. Truths based on finite men according to principles of a finite world that will one day perish. And that's how we're going to run out of things. So this is our standard. Here, I know everything. I know everything. I know everything. I know everything. And you know what? I know everything, so therefore this is 24 inches, and you should follow this because I know everything. And yet what we're saying is that the standards of our world and of our life should be based upon men, finite men, who on their deathbed may very well change what they say truth is. And yet I am telling you, 
that I am firmly convinced that sometimes, whether it's comfortable or not, that this has not changed in 2,000 years. And it will not change. And it will stand forever. And all of this will burn someday, and this will remain. This will remain. So if you look at your passage there, verse 80 says, you can base all of your standards and your measurements on finite men and finite world, or you can base them on Christ, who is the fullness of the deity of God and bodily form. It just seems like a no-brainer, doesn't it? And yet I know I walk out of here today, and in my own way, in my own areas, I will assert my standard against God's. In the way I treat my wife, my child, some of you, I'll do it. But you want to know something? God has forgiven me and will forgive me, and he will convict my heart, and I'll realize I'm wrong, and he'll say, now get up. Let's do this over again. We'll do it over again. That is the beauty of God and being in a saving relationship with him and knowing that you can go to bed at night and lay your head on the pillow without guilt or shame or worry and sleep all night long. I love it when my friends in AA over here say, they say, I used to never sleep through the night. And now that Christ has found me and healed me of my sickness, I sleep every night. Folks, I really hope you hear me in this. It is a difficult conversation, and it's not the last time we're going to have it. But the truth is still the truth. And certain behaviors and conducts, gossip, still wrong. Gluttony is still wrong. Hoarding money for yourself is still wrong. Porn is still wrong. And there's probably a lot more people in this room who are into porn than they are into any of the, any of the lifestyles we talked about today. It is still wrong, and it is just as wrong as any of the other stuff we've talked about. God is a forgiving God who loves you deeply, wants to have you into a saving relationship with him, but he has set a standard that he will not deny. Therefore, we must meet his standard to be in that relationship with him. He will not accept our standard for that relationship. Let's pray. Lord, I come to you and I admit that truth is often harsh. And yet I admit that you are more loving and more kind and more forgiving than my mind can conceive. May we align ourselves with your truth and find the blessings of that truth, even if it's difficult. May you make us loving, even when it's hard. And may we find that you do that through us in ways that we cannot explain or understand. Lord, may we be a church who is known by our love, not just for ourselves, but for those outside of our church and those who live differently than we do. May we boldly proclaim the love of Christ for any and all people. And forgive us, oh Lord, forgive us for the hatefulness that comes so easily to us. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.